Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss a vulnerability called Thangry Cat? You gotta be kidding me! WhatsApp! There's a new WhatsApp zero-day vulnerability. And finally, Gosnim discovers how accrual the world can be. Breaking Badness is next. Breaking Madness, episode number 14, recorded on May 20th, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, pun hit wonder, LaBelle, with me co-host, Emily, with a piercing note of contempt, Hacker, and last, but not least, Tim, delete all of your apps forever, Helming. Wow. That's some sage advice right there, Tim. I know, but I... uh... I won't ever know if anybody did it because I deleted my apps. <laughs> Is there an app to see if people deleted their apps? Delete it. <laughs> What's the sound of one app clapping? Wait, no. <laughs> it doesn't work. Well, before we get started on this podcast, we have to acknowledge something that's actually quite sad, which is the death of InfoSec legend Grumpy Cat. The end of an era, truly. Today, we're just going to be taking 30 minutes of silence to properly thank the cat for its service. Thank you, well, that's all we cat. have for today. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that was a bummer. I mean, what a legend. What a legend. Like, if you could know how many slides of InfoSec conference presentations had Grumpy Cat on them, it would be thousands. He, yeah, he was. Uh, he he was will live on, though, in all and of us. Oh, yeah. Yet on to Mondays. Come. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe even more now. Yeah. He'll he'll be bigger. You can't say posthumously when it's a cat, right? I believe you can. I don't think well, the word is, is that, related to humans. Human. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's I think it's just not post-dad. human. Okay. Well, <laughs> he might get bigger now. Yeah. <laughs> but each slide will have just a slight melancholy associated it with will. it now. Yep. So sad. Well, I think this is a great lead-in <laughs> to our article, which is a vulnerability called Thangry Cat? You gotta be kidding me. Yes, that was a cat bun. I'm not ashamed of it. This one's for you, Grumpy Cat. <laughs> <laughs> so Red Balloon Security, which is maybe my favorite um, name for a security company, has disclosed two vulnerabilities affecting the products of Cisco's systems. The first is known as Thangry Cat, which allows an attacker to fully bypass Cisco's trust anchor module via field programmable gate array bitstream manipulation. Say that five times fast. <laughs> and the second is a remote command injection vulnerability against Cisco iOS XE version 16 that allows remote code execution as root. That's a lot to chew on there. Also, I want to point out that the way Thangry Cat is written is three, I'm assuming, angry cat emojis, emojis, if you will. So now that we've got that out of the way, the most important um, data point from this this particular piece, uh, Tim, I'll ask you, what what is Cisco Trust Anchor Module, or TAM? Yeah, it's a uh, hardware thing. It's a piece of hardware, and its job on a Cisco device is to ensure the integrity of the system um, from boot up uh, up to runtime. 
And what it's supposed to do is present, uh, prevent a hostile bootloader from running on the system because if you can um, get into the, uh, the boot up process, basically, you can essentially own the device. And a lot of vulnerabilities in the past have been exploited by using a bootloader to initialize something that was malicious. Um, so it's a really good idea to have this module in place to prevent that from happening, but it's got to always work. Therein lies the problem. <laughs> so speaking of that, who actually discovered that this was not working in a way? Who discovered the vulnerabilities? Well, Kelsey, that would be the security company with your favorite name for <gasps> a security research company. Oh yeah, the gosh. folks at uh, Red Balloon, they're based in New York, and their focus is on embedded systems uh, security. Oh, cool. Okay. That would make sense then. And um, it seems like how this particular piece of technology that Cisco has created, its implementation is pretty critical to understand to, to you know, why this vulnerability exists and how it can be used against its users. So can you give us a brief description of how Cisco's trust anchor is implemented? Yeah. Yeah. Um... It is a piece of hardware that does use an external FPGA, as you were mentioning, and it, the sequence goes kind of like this. So after you turn on the device, um, the FPGA loads an unencrypted bitstream that implements this uh, hardware trust anchor, um, which provides root of trust functionality from a dedicated uh, flash chip, a dedicated SPI, serial peripheral interface flash chip. And once that bitstream is loaded, that's where the FPGA can do integrity verification of the reboot environment before uh, the microloader is delivered to the main processor. And that's the heart of what it does. It's ensuring that what's about to boot up is, in fact, a safe system. Anyway, this FPGA uh, anchor is connected to the main processor via the south bridge and controls the reset pin of the processor. And that's key. Because if uh, the anchor detects an integrity violation in the preboot, it'll halt and reboot the system. So what's interesting about this, I guess, is if that happens, like if the, um, unless the integrity checks resolve, if they find something wrong, um, basically you're going to have a kind of an endless reboot loop. But, you know, that's a pain in the butt, but it's not as bad as having your Cisco device owned. So that would be where it was doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, that seems like a pretty complex series of checks and balances there. And um, I'm curious then, with that in mind, what is the vulnerability in Trust Anchor that sure. th has been exploited? Yeah, well, I there's a word that you might have heard as I described it that might have might have tuned you in to where this is all going to be going here. So remember the part where the FPGA loads an unencrypted bitstream. From the SPI flash chip. How could I forget? Mm, yeah. That's where we see a problem because um, parts of that are stored in unencrypted flash. And so somebody with root on the system can go in there and disable um, functions of that module. And at, if that happens, it's pretty much game over. Um, now, it is key to reiterate what I just said. You have to have root on the system to begin with. So if you're unable, or if you can prevent uh, unauthorized access to your Cisco device, you theoretically, I believe you can protect yourself against this vulnerability. 
Now, that assumes that nothing went wrong before you came into possession of the device, but it does require root access at the beginning in order to, to kick this off. So I think getting down to the important stuff uh, in terms of what folks can actually be doing to make sure that their networks are safe, what what devices were affected by this vulnerability? What's the scale? And I mean, has this been exploited in the wild? Yeah, okay, so let's take those one at a time. Um, it's a lot of devices that are affected, unfortunately. So every device with an FPGA-based Trust Anchor module um, the, there are at least 100 product families from Cisco that are susceptible Aww. to this. Um, so who knows what the actual number in the wild is, but it's a big number. Um, as far as whether it's been exploited in the wild, well, the researchers are being kind of tight-lipped about this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They, they're not aware of any exploits in the wild, um, but obviously we don't actually know. I think we're going to have to start a new game that if uh, if the words tight-lipped are used in this podcast, you have to take a swig of whatever beverage is closest to you. That's I'll do it idea. right now. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. this is just uh, water. But I have LaCroix, so oh, it's slightly water. Ooh, fancy pants. Oh, we should, you know, write into us about how you feel about the pronunciation of LaCroix. LaCroix. You know, are you a purist who says LaCroix? So I always <laughs> used to say LaCroix, and then like... No one else does, and so I feel like such a like uppity like jerk. If I, if I'm like, I think you should own that. Le croix, le croix, No, I think you should really own it. Like that's like yeah. somebody saying, yeah. "Welcome to my foyer. Have some Lacroix." Right. You know, because we're <laughs> out of Perrier. <laughs> oh, Perrier. Um, Emily, I'm curious too if you have any insight you want to share regarding this particular piece or any concerns that this raised for you, any red flags that popped up in your head. I mean, obviously, this is a pretty serious vulnerability. Um, I think I almost feel like I wanted to talk about the name though, because I feel like this got more attention for the name or lack thereof, the three emoji. And like, I I kind of wonder about the intentions behind giving it such a bizarre name. Do you feel like maybe the severity of this um, vulnerability was somewhat shrouded by its mm. unique name? That's a good question. I don't know. I, and um, Or the opposite, perhaps. Do you feel like maybe people heard about this because don't of the name? don't take it seriously enough because they just think it's silly? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I... Is, I guess we're supposed to pronounce it Fangry Cat, but it sounded like the Red Balloon people would actually prefer that we not pronounce it at all if, you know, we should just observe the emojis and read about the vulnerability and that's it. But, you know, sometimes we do have to speak about things. So yeah. I just feel true. like I heard more about this vulnerability in terms of its name rather than hearing about what it actually was like on twitter or whatever i saw a lot of people talking about this weird vulnerability is just named after cat emojis but no one was saying like this vulnerability in cisco products <laughs> like, let me holy talk about crow there's a yeah. lot of cisco devices that are going to get pwned now mm -hmm. right yeah. so i just wonder about the yeah no that's thing. a good point i mean i uh it it feels a little gimmicky mm -hmm. um and I don't know, they, they sort of make an assertion that maybe this is the way that other things should also be named, uh, or at least they imply that by um, telling us why it was a good idea to name this thing three 
angry cat emojis. But um, so who knows? Yeah. You know, it got people talking about it, but you're right. If they're talking about it for the wrong reasons, well, here's the deal. I guess there's not a patch for this yet, right? I mean, it's a hardware thing, so mm -hmm. there may not be a patch for it. So That's a good point. I guess, but we all, you know, here's what we do need to do. Don't let anybody get rude on your system. Well, that all seems like a pretty good segue into the hoodie rating. So, Emily, I'm going to start with you. What, how many hoodies would you give this particular vulnerability? You know, as much as we just got done talking about how it is serious, I think um, I'm actually going to rate it somewhere in the middle, maybe a four or a five, because um, you need root access already. So it, it, despite the fact that there's not a patch for this particular vulnerability, because it's, like you mentioned, a hardware issue, the, the fact that you have to have root on the system means that there are ways to prevent this, or there are ways at least to um, make it more difficult for a threat actor to exploit this vulnerability. So it's not just like an open, a wide open, like, hey, come and exploit me kind of vulnerability. So I think Why that keeps Dixie it a little bit lower. playing in my head? Well, wide what? open spaces. <laughs> I, never mind. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, but the fact that it's, that it's uh, not patched or not, you know, potentially patchable at this point does keep it up in that middle ground kind of area for me. What do you think, Tim? I would go a little bit higher on this one, and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, because Cisco devices are, uh, they're not just, you know, normally, like with a, let's say there's a uh, vulnerability against a server operating system or something like that. So to some extent, some of those things are going to sit inside the protected environment, and there are going to be other layers between bad guys and them that might help prevent them from being exploited. But in this case, the Cisco devices actually are the layer that sits out there, right? And, and not all of them are in a security function. Some of them are simply in a routing function. Just by sheer numbers, I mean, the, the, I don't know how many devices Cisco has uh, built, but it's like how many billions? It's probably billions, right? Um, it's vast numbers of devices out there. And unfortunately, you know, if, if like 1% of those have default passwords, then that's a huge number of devices that could get owned. Mm -hmm. um, and so if somebody gets into, you know, some of these routers with default passwords and then um, exploits this vulnerability, uh, that you've got a problem. So I don't know how widespread it'll turn out to be, but um, I would put this at about a six right now, I think. Good to keep in mind. Well, just like other you know articles and, and whatnot that we're discussing on this podcast, we'll definitely keep an eye out, see if there are opportunities to mitigate this particular vulnerability and also see if anybody takes advantage of it and actually exploits it there in the wild. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to our next piece, which is titled, What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 2000s ringing in my ears. Uh, so WhatsApp is urging users to update as quickly as possible after a zero-day vulnerability found in its messaging platform was exploited by attackers who were able to inject spyware onto victims' phones and targeted campaigns. Uh, not great news. And Emily, I'd love to open it up and ask you if you can provide some insight into this vulnerability and just dive right into it. 
Yeah, so as you mentioned, this is a zero-day vulnerability, or it was a zero-day vulnerability when it first when the patch first came out. Um, and the vulnerability, which is CVE 2019-3568, um, is a buffer buffer overflow vulnerability in WhatsApp's uh, VoIP stack. Um, so what that means is it can allow remote code execution via specially crafted series of SRTCP packets, which is secure real-time transport protocol. If the threat actor um, calls the victim using the WhatsApp calling feature, um, Checkpoint Security actually did a comparison of the update and the old code and found um, two differences. So that would be what they changed to fix this vulnerability. Um, both of them are in the SRTCP module. The first um, is an argument length verification in an RTCP handler function, and the second is a sanitation check to prevent a, a possible overflow situation, which is what the vulnerability was. Um, they do also note, Checkpoint does, however, that SRTCP, the module is quite large, so it's possible that there's other bugs hidden in there that haven't been found or patched by WhatsApp yet, but these two changes in the code seem to be the um, majority of what was enabling threat actors to, as you mentioned, um, get spyware onto victims' phones simply by calling them over WhatsApp. Oh, that's fairly terrifying. I, I know. I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> when you receive a phone call and it's just like laden with spyware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How annoying. It really cheeses me off. I just hate getting phone calls in general, spyware or not, but you know, this is just added. Excellent point. It's very true. And uh, I know I definitely went out of my way to update the app. I hope everyone that's listening to this at this point has updated their WhatsApp app. I'm going to give everyone a second. Okay, we're good. So then we've already touched on the recommendation, which is patch go, immediately. Yeah, patch, update. Um, are there any statements that WhatsApp has made regarding this vulnerability? Yeah, interestingly enough, WhatsApp um, did release a statement regarding the um, like the malware, I guess, or the exploitation of this particular vulnerability itself. And they said that the attack has, quote, all the hallmarks of a private company reportedly that works with governments to deliver spyware that takes over the functions of mobile phone operating systems. So um, that seems pretty specific to me. It seems like they are yeah. they're naming and shaming without naming. <laughs> so just shaming. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like if this were a tweet, it would be like the subtweet of all subtweets. <laughs> so uh, one other, this has been in an episode of Acronym Soup. Yeah, like, welcome to InfoSec. Seriously, this has been a uh, proliferated acronym version though. What's an acronym for acronym in um, other news? <laughs> Need to figure that out. Um, but A. A. <laughs> Just the A. Just well, the A. Since it's not a multi-word thing, I think it's just A. That's probably true. That adds up. Um, so with that in mind, that something that was thrown into this discussion was the NSO group. And I'm curious how that fits into this, this equation. Mm -hmm. So the NSO group, um, which if you were wondering, I think that acronym just stems from the names, the first names of the three founders. So it doesn't actually stand for any like words it's not a that type of acronym but what it is is um supposedly the private company to which whatsapp was referring in their very um pointed message they're known for creating surveillance malware notably they're the ones that did the pegasus malware which has been used to target iphones and android phones for known government dissidents human rights activists and other people globally that um have 
people spying on them. So they're kind of known to be operating in the space already. And um, other groups have, while WhatsApp wasn't going to name and shame this group, um, other groups have come out and said, okay, clearly this, this looks, this has all the feel of something that is being done by this NSO group. Hmm. That's curious. And I guess that just answered our question about the not so subtle name shame, non-name shame. Yes. So that's that's curious. Keep an eye on that. And um, a question I know we always like to talk through too on these uh, with these articles is the volume of people or the scale of impact. And so I'm curious who particularly who in particular was targeted by the vulnerability. Yeah, so, so far it seems like journalists um, and human rights lawyers are the types of people that have been the main targets, um, according to Citizen Lab, who um, even mentioned that the day that the patch came out, or perhaps the day before the patch came out, that known um, human, human rights lawyers and people that work in that space were receiving the... Um, tainted calls, if you will, but that those were in particular were blocked by WhatsApp. So it seems that um, that is part of the evidence against NSO group, that the, mm. the people targeted by this particular attack are the types of individuals that have been targeted and attacks that they have created other malware for in the past. Mm, some alignment there for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and Tim, I want to give you an opportunity as well if you found in anything interesting um, that you read and this whole WhatsApp vulnerability. This one just felt like one of the um, deeper incursions into what I would consider the the most trusted part of the uh, the ecosystem. You know, a lot of people no no operating system or device obviously is uh, is perfect, but Apple's had a pretty good run of it um, with avoiding a lot of uh, really bad vulnerabilities, both in their own iOS and also in apps, especially the well-known apps uh, that they that you can get for iOS devices. The walled garden of the Apple, you know, App Store model has, uh, like it or hate it, it has helped keep a lot of bad stuff out. And so, despite the limitations of it, it also has its good aspects. And within that, WhatsApp is such a well-known and and pretty trusted uh, application. So um, so it felt like, you know, it hit right at the heart of an area that you think of as a relatively secure kind of playground. Um, and, uh, you know, this I patched WhatsApp immediately when I saw this. I do have to use it. Um, so I didn't just delete it, despite my name being delete all your apps forever <laughs> this week. I actually can't really do that. So, um, but, you know, there aren't a ton of things that are like, okay, stop what you're doing right now and patch your stuff. I guess I have to say stuff. Um, I don't always say stuff, uh, but this was one of those and I did it. So um, yeah, this one felt like kind of a big deal. What would you score this at then, Tim? Well, the patch was available pretty quickly. So that's a mitigating factor. Um, if, if this had been, unpatched and we learned about it while it was unpatched i would have put it at like an eight um it's patched so now it's probably kind of like a four but if you haven't patched it it's a really big deal so patch your stuff but yeah it's it's like high mitigated down to moderate to low okay what about you emily 
Yeah, I think just like the last one, this one kind of belongs in the mid-range, maybe like a five, just because, um, as you mentioned, it's already been patched. But I, I don't want to drop it down too far yet because it is recent enough to where I think that there are lots of people who may not have had the opportunity to update WhatsApp yet. Um, so just because of that, because of it, like as time goes on and as the app gets updated for more people, I think the the hoodie rating will go down, but for now it's still new. And also now that, um, or sorry, not now, but because we know it was exploited in the wild, I think that keeps it up as well because I, I wonder, I don't know if I was, I couldn't find a single story that said this, but I wonder if there's been people that have been, you know, affected by this and didn't realize it or whatever, and are still currently being affected by it. So it just has some maybe more long-term implications that are yet to be sorted out, and that keeps the hoodie rating up a little higher, like a five, I think, or yeah, six. Th- yeah, know. that's a great point. Five or six, Emily. Five and a half. Five and a half. <laughs> the ultimate negotiation. <laughs> Perfect. All right, well, let's get into the final article we have today, then, which is Gosnim discovers how accrual the world can be. Gosh, I like accounting puns and banking and finance <laughs> puns. Um, anyway, in a joint effort by several law enforcement agencies from six different countries, officials have dismantled a major global organized crime network behind Gosnim banking malware. <sighs> credit where credit is due, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, these guys are going to need credit at this point because the uh, all that money they stole is not going to be very helpful to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is a um, this was good news. Um, this was a outfit that was behind uh, at least a hundred million dollars worth, probably a lot more, of theft um, through uh, malware distribution and um, uh, various kinds of fraud committed uh, against banks. Um, about a hundred million dollars, more than forty thousand victims. So um, this was a pretty pretty widespread group. Yeah, this is a pretty big win for the InfoSec community. Um, a good way to balance out the sadness of Grumpy Cat. Wanted to put it in here. Sometimes we do win. Uh, but, it yeah, it sounds like it's a very large impact, huge takedown. So that's that's something I wanted to jump in and give a little credit in terms of who was actually involved. I know they mentioned the six countries, but with taking down the threat actors who developed this malware. Yeah, I mean, this one looks like this was good old-fashioned cooperative police work, cooperative law enforcement work. Um, The group was um, primarily located or operated out of former Soviet bloc um, uh, countries, Bulgaria, uh, Georgia, Moldova, Ukraine, but also the U.S. and uh, and Germany, so not entirely headquartered in uh, former Soviet bloc. and so Europol and the other um, and the various nations involved here um, had clearly been mounting a, a long-standing investigation and um, a coordinated effort to um, to catch the people behind this. And they, uh, I guess, they um, indicted ten people. They char- or they charged ten people. They've arrested five of them, and uh, so the others are. Uh, in Russia, where they may or may not be, you know, be caught uh, or on the run somewhere. So we'll see. But um, taking down uh, right away five out of the 10 masterminds of this is definitely a pretty big step. 
Absolutely. Uh, of course, the hoodie ratings are going to be a little funky, but uh, maybe we can back into this with negative, negative hoodies. Goodness. Breaking. Goodies. We could call goodies. them goodies. Hoodies, goodies and goodies. Hoodies I and like goodies. that a lot. Well, how many goodies? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I guess maybe around, I hadn't had a time, chance to think about this because I hadn't. Considered, we just invented, we just invented, a invented new it. <laughs> but I guess somewhere, you know, I want to be like really positive, but in reality, I think it's just kind of like four goodies, maybe four <laughs> goodies. Because um, only five of them have been arrested. The other, that's when you get the whatever, fifth goodie. How many? Ten or whatever. I don't know. The math. Other five. How does it work? So okay. I think yeah. they, they charge ten. Oh, okay. So regardless, there's still several of them that will likely never actually face any kind of law enforcement punishment for this. And I mean, we've we've seen many a time in the past. And just last week, we were talking about um, Fin Seven, how they they had their top dudes arrested in August, and then in September they were chugging away at new. Um, Campaigns and campaigns, just, yeah. so it didn't really slow them down all that much. And this is obviously not as I don't believe as well funded a group as Fin Seven, um, but still I think it's um, you know four goodies because it's good news, it's good, and it might dissuade some people who are you know thinking about <laughs> trying out a life of crime. <laughs> but for the most part, I think that um, it's just a small little blip on the the overall cybercrime radar that probably won't really change the threat landscape all that much. In Absolutely. fact, I'm changing it to three goodies. I've just talked myself down. Oh, this is man. how much of a downer I am right now. <laughs> this is what the death of Grumpy Cat has done to all of us. <laughs> all right, Tim, how many goodies for you? Yeah, I, I'm i afraid that it's probably a low number for me as well, um, as much as I'd like for it to be a high number, because as much as I would love to be sitting on $100 million right now, that would be a game changer for me. What is your chair made out of? Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> not $100 million. Um, it's not made of $100 million, oh, I can it. tell you that. <laughs> That's just not that big a number in mm -hmm. terms of the global, you know, the, the scale of criminal activity um, worldwide. So, you know, I I don't know. I want to get, I, it was a, a big deal from the standpoint of um, taking down one of the major named groups and if, in fact, they do stay down and, you know, what you hope is that this will be there will be a snowball effect and that maybe what they've learned from this one will help take down other groups or, um, you know, gain insights into um, by gaining more insight into this malware and whatever infrastructure was used to develop and host it, that maybe it'll also be possible to um, expand that out to other malware. I hope that there are positive ripple effects from it that will lead us to give an even higher goody rating to some other story that comes along <laughs> soon. So I'm at about three right now and, and hopeful for more. Well, at least we have some goodies. That's the Indeed. silver lining. <laughs> the goodies and the hoodies. And that wraps up, actually, our conversation around the articles today. Just as a note to our listeners, uh, we'll be taking next week off to celebrate Memorial Day. So we'll be catching you here at the beginning of June. So wanted everybody to prepare for that emotionally. Um, we'll miss you too, audience. Yes. Drink your LaCroix. Think of us. 
or your lacroix, your lacroix, <laughs> or your purier. <laughs> Any other French words we can mangle? While yes, we're at it. I think it's pronounced mangle. <laughs> That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.